Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 190. Today's big Bible question is, what are the dangers of human tradition? Hello, friends. Happy Lord's Day to you. I'd love to invite you to join us at VBC Salinas. That's Victor Bravo Charlie Salinas, just the letters VBC Salinas, uh, which is a Facebook page. So you just go to Facebook and type in VBC Salinas. Today at 11 a.m., we are going to be talking about rooting downward and bearing fruit upward during our live stream And I'd love to uh, have you join us. I don't know how your state is doing relative to the coronavirus uh, or your country, as it were. But our city and state are not doing so well in California here. And we are facing the possibility of the church being not able to meet together in person again. Uh, We've had, uh, what, two weeks back together now, uh, a third tomorrow. But who knows what the future holds. Today's message to the church, Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, is the message I would have preached at the beginning of 2020 had I known then what I know now about what we're going to go through with the pandemic and everything else. So I feel like it's an important message. I'd love for you to join with us. In the Bible reading podcast world, today's readings are shorter than normal because we doubled up Friday. We are reading today Psalm 137 and 138, Jeremiah chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 15. Now, if we were on a Bible trivia quiz show and I asked you what was the longest book in the Bible, what would you say? Oh, Did I hear you say Psalms? Well, I bet some of you at least said Psalms. And here's the fascinating thing. Psalms isn't even the second longest book in the Bible, and it's not the first. In terms of number of words, the longest book in the Bible at just over 33,000 words is Jeremiah. Genesis is the second longest book in the Bible, and Psalms is the third with a mere 30,147 words. Then we've got Ezekiel in the fourth slot, and Exodus rounds out the top five. Now, the Jeremiah passage in chapter one today is fantastic. It demonstrates that life begins before birth, considering that Jeremiah was called by God before he was even born. But that's not our focus for the day. Instead, we're in Matthew chapter 15, where Jesus challenges the Pharisees and scribes very strongly for cherishing human traditions and elevating those traditions to a level of authority higher than the word of God. So let's go read that passage now. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem who asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, Why do you break God's commandment because of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father and mother must be put to death. But you say, Whoever tells his father or mother whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. He does not have to honor his father. In this way, you have nullified the word of God because of your tradition." hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Summoning the crowd, he told them, 
Listen and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came up and told him, Hey, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. Then Peter said, Explain this parable to us. Do you still lack understanding, he asked? Don't you realize that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a person. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. And when Jesus left there, he was drew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from the region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, Send her away because she's crying after us. He replied, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came, knelt before him and said, Lord, please help me. He answered, It isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus replied to her, Woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was healed. Moving on from there, Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee. He went up on a mountain and sat there, and large crowds came to him, including the lame, the blind, the crippled, those unable to speak, and many others. They put them at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd was amazed. When they saw those unable to speak talking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they gave glory to the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, otherwise they might collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, oh, Where where can we get enough bread in this desolate place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked them. Seven, they said, and a few small fish. After commanding the crowd to sit on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They collected the leftover pieces, seven large baskets full. Now there were four thousand men who had eaten besides women and children, and after dismissing the crowds, he got into the boat and went to the region of Magadan. Jesus was often incensed by the behavior and philosophy of the religious leaders of the Jewish people, like the Pharisees and the scribes, and etc. And here we see one of the primary reasons why. These guys taught human commands and traditions as doctrine. In other words, they made up their own rules. They made up their own laws and commands and principles and elevated those man-made beliefs to the level of commands from God. This was a practice that earned a stinging rebuke from Jesus, but it's one that many Christians and many churches still do today. Think about your church. Think about your family. What traditions have you elevated in the eyes of the churchgoers 
and in the eyes of your family that are mere human traditions not found in the Bible? What traditions have you elevated to the level of commands? It's a dangerous thing. Well, let's turn to pastor and author Tim Keller uh, for the second day in a row, I think, for a balanced view of traditions that clearly demonstrate why Jesus was opposing the Pharisees and scribes on this matter. Keller says, Jesus five times in this passage criticizes what he calls the traditions of the elders. Jesus is not against tradition altogether. In fact, he can't be. Tradition per se is a great thing. For example, remember he's preaching to his church. What if we didn't have the tradition that every Sunday night here we had a service at 7 p.m.? What if I said to you, you know, from now on, we might have a service some weeks. We might not have a service some weeks. We might have it at 8. We might have it at 5. You just have to check to see. Well, that could cause chaos because it's really nice to have the tradition that we do this every week at 7 o'clock. You can't really have life without a tradition. You can't have a human community. You can't have emotional health without some traditions. Jesus is not tradition criticizing tradition per se. It's a fine thing. But he is t- criticizing the tradition of the elders. The tradition of the elders was a set of rules and regulations that over the years, had grown up around the Bible. They weren't in the Bible. Teachers and scholars had developed these traditions, these rules about the Bible. They had added them to the Scripture as binding authoritative regulations for life. For example, in the Bible, we, you read, we are supposed to rest on the Sabbath. The teacher said, well, what does that mean? You know, it's natural to ask, what does it mean to rest on the Sabbath? The answer of the tradition of the elders was a couple hundred years, a couple hundred rules you did. You did this. You can do this and you can't do that on the Sabbath. That what's, that's what it means to rest on the Sabbath. Then there were all these other things in the Bible like, what is ritual purity? Why do we have to be pure when we go into the temple? What does the Passover mean? How are we to observe the Passover? In every case, the tradition of the elders answered, what this means is, and then they gave a bunch of very detailed rules and regulations. The problem was the rules and regulations weren't in the Bible, but they grew up around the Bible. And in the eyes of the people and the elders, they became equal in authority. And that's what Jesus is criticizing equal and binding authority on people. Because the rules and regulations were considerably more detailed and concrete than the principles of the Bible, they tended to distract people, and they sometimes even contradicted the actual original Bible principles. Think about it like this, says Keller. One of the principles of the Hebrew Bible was that Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the nations. Yet, of course, that basic principle is totally lost in all the legalism and separatism that comes from having all of these kinds of rules when it came to eating. That utterly separated you from the other nations. Another example, Jesus points out here at the latter part of the passage in Matthew 15, this thing about Corban. You see, the Bible, of course, says God's claims supersede anyone else's claim. As a result of that, the traditions of the elders had developed a really wonderful little loophole. You could take a piece of property and you could declare it Corban. The word Corban here means offered or offering. You could say, I have dedicated, I have offered, I have Corbaned this property up to God. 
What that meant was if, that if somebody in your family, if one of your relatives or even your own parents got into economic trouble or financial trouble and came to you and said, you're our family, would you help me out of this trouble? You could say, oh, well, yeah, but I can't use any of this because it's all God's. See, Jesus says, look, by complying with the tradition of the elders, you've actually contradicted the whole spirit of the biblical principle, honor your father and mother. Then the very last line of the whole passage, do you see what Jesus says? He says, I can give you a hundred more illustrations of this, but I won't. Why is he so angry? You can see when he replies to them in verse 7, he was angry. Here's why he was so angry. He was angry because, as he said, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God, but you're holding on to the traditions of men. Now, that's a remarkable statement. What he says here is if you fail to honor the unique authority of the Bible, you fail to worship God. If you let human traditions, what the experts say, what your heart says, whatever, if you let anything else have equal authority with the Bible, you're not actually worshiping God. You create your own God, actually. You are your own God. Jesus is actually saying here a failure to recognize and honor the unique authority of the Bible is a failure to honor the authority of God. Well, that's something good for us to chew on. Let us not elevate the traditions of man anywhere close to the authority and bindingness of the word of God. We continue reading today in Psalm 137, verse 1, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, there we hung up our lyres on the poplar trees. For our captors there asked us for songs and our tormentors for rejoicing. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song on foreign soil? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem as my greatest joy. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites said that day at Jerusalem. Destroy it. Destroy it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who pays you back what you have done to us. Happy is he who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. Psalm 138, verse 1. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. They will sing of the Lord's ways, for the Lord's glory is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand. Your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirtieth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon. 
king of Judah. It also came throughout the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations, but I protested, Oh no, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Then the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my word. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and plant. Then the word of the Lord came to me asking, What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Again, the word of the Lord came to me asking, what do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot, its lip tilted from the north to the south. Then the Lord said to me, disaster will be poured out from the north on all who live in the land. Indeed, I am about to summon all the clans and kingdoms of the north. This is the Lord's declaration. They will come, and each king will set up his throne at the entrance to Jerusalem's gates. They will attack all her surrounding walls and all the other cities of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments against them for all the evil they did when they abandoned me to burn incense to other gods and to worship the works of their own hands. Now get ready. Stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not be intimidated by them, or I will cause you to cower before them." Today I am the one who has made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the population. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you, since I am with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Amen. Thanks be to God. I pray, my friends, that the word of God will edify you and point you to Jesus. Good day and Godspeed.